Summer driving is here, and so are the red-hot deals on the best tire brands at Dobbs. Money saver June deals on new sets of Goodyear, Cooper, Continental, Michelin, and Pirelli tires. Click on GoToDobbs.com to find your next set of tires today. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. We are live at the E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center, and we are very happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to be joined by the Cardinals beat writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. He is Derek Gould joining us here on the show. Derek, we always enjoy having you on. Thank you so much for the time this morning. How are you doing, my friend? I'm all right. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing okay. So I have, I, I think, a list of a million different questions that I would love to get your thoughts on. Hope we you got two hours, Derek. Yeah, we, we won't get to each and every one of them <laughs> this morning, but I do have a few in particular uh, that I'm really curious to get your thoughts on. Let's start on the pitching side of things, if that's okay with you. Because last year, I remember one of the big conversations that was had was coming off of the pandemic-shortened season, how much is that going to play into this te- these teams' decision-making uh, with how they utilize their pitchers are they going to go shorter uh starts are we going to see more arms that are needed because of potential injuries what is this going to look like and then the answer was basically yes to all of the above now with this lockout and the potential for a shortened spring training Derek how do you think that is going to influence teams decision making whether that is going out and adding more arms once we open things back up from the lockout or having to go further into their depth in the minors how do you think teams are going to handle their pitching this year if it is a shortened spring training again they're going to get some latitude with a larger roster that's sort of what we understand you know would be one of the things in play would that the season would not start similar to 2020 right um that's sort of the roadmap because it's something that they've already agreed upon and that's a lot of what what we're working off of because that's what they're working off of is that july summer camp and that rosters would start larger so if they negotiate in the cba a return to the 26-man roster overall you're likely to see a season start with a 28 or 30 and some allowances there for the makeup allowing um, or permitting more pitching, more pitching depth, um, you know, even a taxi squad there early on that players could move off of and on to, um, you know, a little bit more, let's say free, um, at least be available than if they were in the minors. So that would be the the way the teams would start is they would likely populate those extra spots with innings. Um, you're not going to see teams, you know, if, if they find a way to address the service time manipulation, then bully for them, then, then you could see the Cardinals start with like a Libertor um, there. But, you know, they don't need to put them on the roster. 
uh, and there's no real, you know, if the CBA is just copied, then they wouldn't be moved to do so. But like an Angel Rondon, you would see in that mix, right? A guy like that who has starting experience, has innings, um, and could be used. The Cardinals are already, um, not to make a long answer longer, but the Cardinals are kind of already prepping their roster for that approach um, because they have guys who, they have a full rotation, according to them, after signing Steven Matz, and yet they have a handful of guys who they would like to see prepare as starters and used as starters in spring training to create some flexibility, whether they're used as an occasional sixth-man starter or they're used as that guy who goes the third time through the lineup when the starter does not. And those pitchers, I mean, two of them you know well because they're the most recent closers, and that's Alex Reyes and Jordan Hicks. And the other one is Jake Woodford, who is pretty much done with AAA. Actually, he's done with AAA (laughs) and is now trying to carve out a role for him in the major leagues. And he has that, you know, it's kind of, I think I've called it in the past, the accordion reliever one who can go long, short, do a lot of different things. Um, they're going to carry multiple guys like that so that it gives Marmol and Maddox some creativity in the middle innings um, where they can use a guy for multiple innings. He'll not be available the next day or the next two days, but the next guy will be. Um, it goes way back to what reminds me of you know, sitting in Jupiter many, many years ago talking with Dave Duncan about what a team could do if it only had four starters that it trusted. Could it go with sort of a second-tier, shorter-term, three-guy rotation, sort of a shadow rotation? And that's kind of what they have in play in their roster. You know, Derek, we've talked with with a, a bunch of different national analysts, and everyone that we've talked to have said, like, the biggest need for the Cardinals still is a starting pitcher. Where do you think the Cardinals view starting pitcher, that next tier down the Oviedos, the Woodfords, the Reyes, the Hicks, where do you think the Cardinals view those players as? You mean as, as like in their roles coming up? Correct. And are they ready? I think, well, I think they want Oviedo to get time in AAA. Um, he was pressed into duty. Um, that really kind of jarred his development a little bit. He would really benefit from at least getting a month, month and a half, two months of just ability to dominate and dictate whether he's going to be a starter in the majors or a really strong reliever. Um, Woodford is ready. Reyes, they've long been intrigued by. Um, Hicks is a little bit more of an experiment, Um, more to do with the schedule of a starter than, say, the workload of a starter when you talk about Hicks in that role. Um, You know, I think they, you know, Libertor, they think, is going to contribute at some point in time in the near future. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why I would imagine people say the Cardinals need starting is because of what happened to them last year where they capsized in June and needed to accumulate lots of starting and needed to get some lottery tickets, as you say, to perform for them. The other part of that is every team needs starting pitching. Um, the Cardinals right now, if you, they could obviously add a starter and be better for it. But to make them a lot more well-rounded club and a and a and really increase their chances of winning, they could make a move for a reliever and do that. I, I think that is kind of top of the shopping list for them um, because that's the move that would subtly enhance how they hold leads um, because they have this mix of middle relievers who can handle innings. 
It's interesting because we actually talked with Kevin Goldstein, the former Astros assistant GM who now writes for Fangraphs a couple of days ago, Derek, and he said the exact same thing. He's like, do the Cardinals need pitching? Yes, but so does every other team in baseball right now. So it's not like a an urgent need that they need a starter necessarily so much as it is everybody could use an extra guy if you can find one. I did want to ask you about that re- relief option for them because I've seen you write, whether it be in your chat or just your reporting in general, uh, that they, they could potentially be connected to some of the top guys that are out there. A guy like Ryan Tapera is, is a really mm-hmm. interesting candidate for them. I, I am curious, do you think that they would be willing to go with that multi-year, uh, bigger money reliever this time around? Because we've seen this in the past with them, whether it be Andrew Miller, uh, you go back to Brett Cecil, sometimes those have come back to burn the Cardinals, and they do have some really intriguing young arms that could project to be bullpen pieces, whether it be this year or in the future, with a guy like uh, Walsh or Pacheco or Payante, uh, do you think they're willing to go that multi-year big money deal with a reliever this offseason? I don't think they have to, to be honest. Like, uh, I don't think you have to go a deal like you did with Miller or, um, you know, uh, Cecil. And I might be proven wrong, but I don't get that sense. And not certainly coming out of uh, lockout when there'll be a rush to sign guys, and there are so many relievers that are pretty similar. You mentioned Tapera. Tapera certainly stands out from the group, but you know if he's asking for three years and a whole wealth of money, then you could probably find somebody who could do the role slightly less than that. Um, it's a pretty thick pool of options. Um, it depends on sort of what you want to prioritize. If the Cardinals want to prioritize ground ball rates and not walking people like we've seen them do, um, then there are a handful of guys who fit that. Um, there's certainly a guy who maybe even will come on a minor league deal or, or somebody you could get towards the back end of, as that market moves, who fits that. And instead of signing one guy then to the major mega, to what would account to a mega deal, um, you would sign, two guys and let them fight it out in spring training to, to figure it out. I don't really get the sense that the Cardinals are going to go into that realm of trying to get a guy who say is a closer. Um, but even then there are a handful of guys available um, as free agents who have five to 30 saves in their career, slightly more who, you know, have also served in that setup role and aren't going to cost a whole lot as far as a commitment goes. Um, you know, I, I just don't, I don't think that that kind of Brett Cecil requirement is out there, um, for them. I think they, they're going to have options. They're going to fit into a shorter term, um, maybe similar AAV, but certainly a shorter term thing with far more upside. Just um, I think that's a, there for them. Apologies for cutting you off there, Derek. Is an no, Alex okay. Colome the type of player, like just to put a name on the, on kind of the, the range of player that you're talking about, is that kind of the type of guy that could be of interest? No. Uh, I mean, you're talking about like uh, like you have a Joe Kelly who's out there. You have him, let's say he's on the high end, right? Or maybe wants to be on the high end. And Ryan Tapera then slightly below him. Um, but you also have like a Colin McHugh who is a versatile kind of swingman guy. Could start, could set up, could do a lot of different things. So what kind of look does he get? Then you have, you know, sort of, you have Ian Kennedy, for example. Um, then on the lower end, you got a guy who, like uh, Archie Bradley, who has a ground ball rate, um, you know, in his career above average. Um, You have a guy like, uh, you know, from the left side, you got a, you know, a a Jake Diekman is out there. Um, And there are also like trade candidates out there. You could, you know, sort them all by, by who's about to make some money. 
Um, you know, a guy on the lower end who was uh, let go by the Mets is Robert Selman. You know, a guy, a right-hander, um, you know, career ground ball rate, 48%. You know, last year he had, what, you know, minimal innings, um, but not that much uh, a walk rate overall. And you can see him, you know, wanting to get like kind of a bounce back offer. Maybe he's off the roster and given a chance to compete Pat Neshek style and does. Derek, uh, on the hitting side of things for the Cardinals, the one player that I am fascinated by this offseason is Nolan Gorman because mm-hmm. it seems like they're ready to, to, to give him that next step at the major league level for what he has done these last couple of seasons. But it also feels like you wonder where he's going to fit in because it seems like they want more playing time than just a DH for him. Oh, I mean, there's there's plenty of playing time when you start moving guys around. Um, you know, I, I don't get the sense that they're, like, rushing to have him on that opening day roster. I think they're intrigued by what he could do, um, but they're not racing to replace um, Tommy Edmond, for example, and they're not racing to replace Paul DeYoung with Tommy Edmond at shortstop. Um, but, you know, Gorman's going to get a chance to make a ruckus in spring training. It, if it's a shortened spring training, it's really going to limit the kind of impression some of these young guys can make. Let's be honest, right? Like last year, Lars Newbar made the most of spring training because he was all over the place, backfield games, playing great, hitting well, um, things that you that weren't seen on the main stage, but uh, the group of us that were down there got to watch through train link fences and just <laughs> the consistency that he played, you know, what he brought to his at-bats, what he brought against higher competition, um, you know, he made a strong impression because there were games available to him. In a compressed spring training, less games available to guys. More games and more at-bats and more innings going to be committed to the people who the Cardinals think are going to be their 26, 28, 29-man roster to start the year. And so they're really not going to be a lot of time for a young guy to make a ruckus in spring, not like there would be for him to make a ruckus in when the AAA season starts. Um, and it's more likely that we'll see that. And then, you know, I, I mean, I think they see him as a guy who could play second base for them now. Um, they really want him to continue to invo- improve, um, gain the instincts. Um, he's got he's got a great arm, and that's a great equalizer at that position, as, you know, Skip Schumacher can show him now that Skip is back with, uh, you know, as the bench coach. Um, Skip made that transition from outfield to second base and really relied on his arm strength to help him. Um, at that position, you know, Mark Grizzolanic was an exceptional second baseman for the Cardinals um, because he was a good fielder, but also he had like the best arm on the end. Well, not the best arm because Scott Rowland was part of that infield, but he had the best arm of any second baseman in the National League. Um, and Gorman has a strong arm that's going to help him there, but he can also play third. He can also play first. He can spell guys. You can get Nolan Arenado. Um, when there's when there's a situation where you got a guy who doesn't get a whole lot of ground balls to the left side or a team that puts a lot of balls in the air or whatever, you know, maybe get Arnado that day off at third and put Gorman there. So there's plenty of there are plenty of bats out there, just like there are plenty of bats out there for a fourth outfielder. There are plenty of bats out there for a fifth infielder um, if he can play multiple positions. Derek Gould is our guest for another couple of minutes here on 101 ESPN. Cardinals beat writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. You can find his work online, stltoday.com. Also, give him a follow on Twitter, at D Gould. Always appreciate him being willing to give us a little bit of time. Derek, kind of branching off of the Nolan Gorman conversation, I did want to ask you about how they view the designated hitter 
and not just for this year, but also how you kind of put that in place for the future as well. Because I think the guys that we probably received the most texts about from some of our mm-hmm. listeners early on in the offseason were Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber as potential DH and potentially every so often you put them in the outfield options for this team. But if you're going that route, those are likely multi-year contracts that you're handing out, and that could clog up that designated hitter spot for you, whereas you do have potential options of guys like Peterson or Rosario or Nelson Cruz who would all potentially be one-year contracts for them. How do you Mm -hmm. think the Cardinals view that designated hitter spot if they were going to add a bat after things open back up? Do you think they would be interested in a multi-year deal for that spot? Um, I mean, they they really like the fact that they have Yepes from the right and Newt Barr from the left and Gorman rising and Walker after that. And they recognize that, you know, they're two franchise players right now for the future. Um, you know, you got franchise, I guess we're going to have to differentiate this all season, right? You have franchise icons, which are Wainwright and Molina. And then you have the franchise cornerstones, I guess, pun intended in Arenado and Goldschmidt. Um, you know, the, you got first base. If Walker ends up there or say Walker starts playing left field, you know, at some point in time, you're going to have the DHB someplace for Arenado and Goldschmidt to be too. Um, while not, while you don't want to give up too much defense, you put Schwarber out in left field, and where is does that buy a day for Tyler O'Neill? Does that compromise the defense? Um, Nick Castellanos is a different guy. The Cardinals have had so many opportunities to go out and sign him, trade for him, and they just really haven't. Um, you know, has he changed? You know, his how he looks as a player going from say the Tigers to the Cubs to what he did with the Reds. Sure. You know, he's added more information. You know, I think he, he, he plays all right defense. Um, you could probably, you know, see him as a better defensive player than maybe their first evaluations were, but is he going to supplant any of the three outfielders that they have out there? Um, not defensively, not, not at all. So, Hey, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a tough thing because it's not just the year commitments. It's the opt outs. It's the dollars. It's all those things. And it's also just the perception that the car, there are the reality that the Cardinals have had a chance to go sign those guys or add those guys before. And they haven't. So that ought to tell you something for sure. Uh, Derek, final question for you. Uh, this is one of my biggest questions for the team going into 2022. I, I am so fascinated by a million different aspects of the Ali Marmol hire, but maybe most interesting for us here in St. Louis, you know how the lineup card game goes for us. Um, who is going to lead off for this team? Like if you had to project on opening day right now, and of course this is a projection, things can change as you hear more information and you see what it looks like out at spring training, Derek. But as of today, who do you think will be lining up as your uh, as your leadoff hitter on opening day? Well, the guy who bats leadoff on opening day might be different in game two. So can we be honest about that? Right? Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So that first week, I mean, it would not shock me at all if Dylan Carlson opens the season as the leadoff hitter. Um, if it's a left-handed pitcher that they face, if they say Harrison Bader gets a look at leadoff hitter, and do not discount the fact that you're going to see Paul Goldschmidt as leadoff hitter at some point in time. It sure seems like that's going to at least be talked to him, talked with him about. Um, they'll, if that's the best matchup, or they want to get him the most at bats, or they want to try to do something to give a different look to that leadoff. Um, you know, Joey Votto hit leadoff, so you're probably going to see Paul Goldschmidt at some point in time in leadoff. You know that if if it changes, it will be based on the performance in spring. 
than someone taking that job and running with it. You know, Tommy Edmond has had that chance before. Um, I, re- I, I do think that Dylan Carlson is going to get a rather long look at that. If that's the next kind of phase as he um, grows in the game and, and starts a lead off and is ultimately a number two hitter for the Cardinals. Um, you know, but the, you can, you're going to see that mix dependent on, uh, on matchups. You know, I don't really think there's going to be much of a commitment to one guy in one spot. If there is, it's likely going to be O'Neill at number three and Arenado at cleanup because of how well that worked last season. You can't see him, Derek, because you're on a phone, but our producer, Tanner Hendrickson, has been clamoring for Paul Goldschmidt as a potential leadoff hitter all offseason, and our text line has just been crushing him. So he is legitimately celebrating right now as you say that. So thank (laughs) you for giving it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it It makes sense. I mean, I talked with back when we could talk to them. You know, I spent some time there in Jacksonville with Oliver Marmol, and we we talked about that specific thing, you know, that just the, the look of the lineup and what you want to do. And, you know, the, the, the pitcher gets up there and he's still kind of trying to find his groove. And the first guy he has to face is Paul Goldschmidt, you know, especially if Goldschmidt has great numbers against him or as Marmol brought up, has great numbers against pitchers like that pitcher, which is something that they really are drilling down on. Um, you can see it. It makes a lot of sense. Derek, we are so lucky to have you here in, th- uh, in St. Louis. I've told you before, I'll tell you again, it is awesome to be able to read your work on a day-to-day basis. We're more informed as fans as a result of it. Thank you so much for hopping on with us today, and we'll talk with you again soon, man. Thank you very much for the kind words, and stay warm out there. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.